0: A moonshot approach because that's what we're talking about. You know, manufacturing in space is really, um, you know, getting to be uh, something that we are working towards. And something like telemanufacturing is a way to make that happen. This is an actual way where people can perform manufacturing but be down here on the earth while we're doing something up on the space station.
1: This is the Thomas Industry Podcast. Welcome to today's Thomas Industry Podcast. We're excited to chat with Connie Lamotte, the principal engineer of automation and telemanufacturing at EWI. In this episode, we'll explore how robotics and remote opportunities can invite a new generation of manufacturing talents. And to think big, can remote work technology unlock the possibility of manufacturing in space? Let's get into the episode. Connie, we met a few months ago at the Defense Manufacturing Conference and I saw that your team were putting together this amazing telewelding and telemanufacturing technology stack, and I thought I must actually hit you up and have a conversation with you. Can you tell us a bit more about EWI and your goals in how your organization can help our industry? Sure. Well, Edison
0: Welding Institute or EWI is um, our goal in. We're a mission-based company our goal is to help people do better manufacturing. So uh, what that means is that we do all sorts of um, materials joining or um, process or anything that helps a manufacturer increase their productivity or, um, you know, do better welding. Since we started as a materials joining type of organization, that's sort of where everything kind of always comes down to a process. So welding is a process just like grinding or cutting or um, any of the other things you would imagine that they would do in a typical manufacturing setting. So uh, what we're doing specifically for telemanufacturing is we're finding ways that people who have these manual skills that um, they have learned how to do a specific process for many, many years, but aren't able to do it anymore, What we're trying to do is help them use robotics and automation to still be able to transfer that manual dexterity
1: across the internet. One thing that we spoke about when we met is the fact that there are a lot of amazing talent across the United States and beyond. They might not be traditionally considering manufacturing as as a field that they can go into. And the fact that your team is putting together tele uh, manufacturing technology is interesting because it means that... Potentially, folks can control machinery and robotic at the comfort of their home. Um, can you tell us a bit more about how you come up with the concept of telemanufacturing in 2018? What inspired the idea and how does it actually work? Sure. So I would say we, we thought of this
0: idea because there were people who had lots of skills, uh, in particular welders, um, that were retiring. And manufacturers, um, were not wanting to, them to leave because they, are, there are not a lot of people that are wanting to take up these trades. So, you know, for welders in particular, this is a hot, dangerous, dirty job. And <laughs> it's hard to get people to sign up to do that when there are more attractive jobs out there. So what we wanted to do was figure out, you know, how do we keep people doing these jobs for longer? and allow them to do them more comfortably, and then compete with the other jobs that they can get now that are easier. So uh, what we wanted to do is figure out, can we use automation so that we can allow somebody to be able to, you know, control a robot remotely? And then what, I guess what came after that is, it's not just that you want to control the robot, you want to actually do that in real time and make the movements you would expect to, to move if you're right there at the process. So in particular, somebody who is uh, a welder or who is holding um, a grinding uh, grinding tool, they know exactly what to do. They're watching the process. They're moving the grinding tool around. Um, but what we want to do is make that happen remotely. So we're using a robot to hold the tool. And then the person is watching cameras that are showing them what's going on. And then this handheld tool that they're using right next to them, plugged into their computer, actually has feedback on it. So it makes them feel like they're hitting things in the environment. So uh, what we're trying to do is give them the the sounds and the feel of the environment, yet allow them to do that in the comfort of their office or in some nice setting that doesn't require as much
1: force or as much effort, yet they can still use their skills they've gained to complete this job. That is super interesting because um, we talk about Multi- multiple layers of manufacturing and technologies combined together. When you put together a system like that, obviously I can imagine you need robotic technology, sensors, camera recording, haptic feedback, and all of that. Um, it's interesting to see what you're building in the, in the ramp of combining hardware and software. Can you talk us through um, how it all kind of work together?
0: Sure, sure. So um, at the place where the process is occurring, um, that's where you're going to have your machinery like your robot. And then you also want your sensors there. So your sensors can be cameras or optical items, things that will give you some sort of an idea of the environment, even temperature sensors. So those are the things that are down there at your process, and they're connected to the Internet. Now, you're sitting in your your controller, your person is sitting there in their um, office, all nice and comfortable, right in front of their computer and plugged into their computer is this neat little haptic device. They're holding this device, it looks like a pen and they're just moving it freely, any orientation, any speed that they want to move it. And then software is what talks to that device. And then it also transfers what they're doing with that haptic device down to the robot. So they're looking at the process they're watching the robot move, they're controlling the robot using this this handheld little stylus device, and then it's all live stream. So the video that they're getting is really in real time. So they're able to make immediate movements, they're able to see what's happening immediately as they're doing it. And that's kind of the key for a process that is like a hot process or a live process. You have to be able to control this in real time. So these sensors and the haptic stylus device and the robot all have to talk to each other all through software that resides
1: on uh, your desktop. This is super interesting because, Connie, one thing that we talk about is in the last 10 to 15 years, there had been tremendous breakthrough innovation at accelerating paces that that allowed a lot of the technologies that you're talking about afford, to, to become a lot more affordable. Um, how do you even source the parts and components and technology you need and 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 lead the research and development effort for this organization? Uh, That's a good question. So what we need to do is figure out what's the process that we
0: want to be able to telecontrol. Because without a process, um, you know, there's really nothing to do. And it's all about making that process work somewhere else, somewhere on the end. So the sensors or the cameras or the pieces, parts that we need to put this together and give the operator the experience that we need to give them, um, you know, those all depend on the process. Uh, what's, what's happened, I would say, in the past 10 years that's very interesting is the explosion of the different types of cameras and optical, um, sensors you can get that can give you a lot of detail about your environment. So it's great to have, you know, your nice high resolution cameras, but other things that help out in that environment, are like 360 degree cameras uh, that give you more of an overall view of everything that's going on around you. Um, There's also these 3D inspection systems that give you information as to how close are objects to you in the environment. And that's kind of a vital thing in the whole uh, tele-manufacturing because you're gonna be operating in and around place, in and around things in your environment, in the manufacturing area, and you wanna know where they are. You don't wanna bump into them. If you're operating a robot arm, You don't want to just run it right over into something because, you know, it's moving at the speed that you are moving the stylus at and it's moving in the direction you're moving with that stylus. So you want to make sure that you see all these things and, you know, all of the different types of sensors that are becoming more and more available, more and more easier to get um, help that happen. So I've been surprised at... um, you know, how, how many things you can get on Amazon. Like maybe ten years ago it was unheard of to get some of these types of sensors or optical devices, but now they're very, very prevalent and they really just enhance the experience and allow more and more processes to be teleoperated.
1: Fantastic. And I think one thing that you touch on also is when you build telemanufacturing technology, you're doing two things. You're creating collaborative robots known as Cobots, you're enabling humans to practice their skills in a safer environment, but also probably compounding their capability because robot you can really dial up the force and um, really enhance a lot of human capabilities behind the scene. Now how do you actually build your own team to be so multidisciplinary in, in being a, being super adventurous, super curious, but also probably extremely competent in building things across many spectrum of technologies from hardware to software?
0: Well, the team is, you know, it's, it's a, a, a selection of people who are experts in certain areas. So we have software experts that really know the fastest way to be able to live stream or the fastest way to communicate with whatever the communication protocol is with the robot. So we've got software experts. We also have haptic and sensor experts. So they need to know, you know, where is it best to place these sensors in the environment? And, um, you know, how is it that we need to allow the person to interact with the haptic stylus device? Uh, We also have process experts. And again, these these are really the key people in this equation is, you know, the person who knows exactly how to grind or exactly how to weld. They want to hear it. They want to see it. So giving them the ability to do that in real time, um, you know, that's where that process expert comes in because that's what we then put into our software so that the
1: robot moves in the way that that person is expecting it to move. I want to circle back to one really good topic that we discussed before. What are the benefits of implementing telemanufacturing in terms of accessibility and safety?
0: Well, you know, the biggest benefit is we can empower in a selection of um, the workforce that is underserved. If you think about it, not everyone can perform a manual task. Um, some people do not have the capabilities anymore like they used to. Uh, maybe they're um, aging and they can't crawl around and do the same tasks that they once were able to do. Um, another selection is people who are disabled, those who are unable to um, you know, perform tasks that would require them to stand or to move around. Um, if we do something with telemanufacturing that gives them the ability to operate other equipment remotely, then they can enter into the workforce and contribute one hundred percent. So really what it is what it does is it empowers people, and empowers them to be able to work anywhere they want, and empowers them to be able to work with any sort of physical disability. And it also empowers uh, manufacturers to evolve to be able to increase productivity by allowing somebody to be ready to work at any point in time. So we don't have to sit there and wait for this shift work to happen or that shift work. We don't have to go to certain geographies and wonder where we're going to get our people. We can get our people, our experts, anywhere. They can live anywhere and they can work anywhere because now we can perform our jobs
1: remotely. Now, let's talk a little bit about you because I always am fascinated by people who come into engineering, manufacturing, science, and other great things that we get to do. How did you know that you wanted to become an engineer and innovate for the future?
0: That's a good question. Uh, As a child, I was always taking things apart and um, always trying to figure out how things worked. And you've probably heard other engineers say that, Uh, but I really like to try to invent stuff. Like I would take something apart and then add something to it to make it my own and pretend like, you know, I had to document this up and and all these, you know, rules of how this was put together. So for whatever reason, that was fascinating to me as a kid. So that's what I, I did. I, I always told people, I want to be an inventor. So uh, by the time I um, went to college and started looking at, um, you know, career options and the things that I was interested in, you know, I looked at a couple other things. I looked at accounting and then pharmacy uh, but eventually, you know, my my true love was always, you know, finding out how things worked and then trying to invent new things and new methods. So that led me to uh, electrical engineering. And then I was able to go into research and development, and I absolutely love it. So that's kind of my journey. I I went to research and development, and I kind of feel like being in this environment is a playground. There's always new things to learn. There's always new things to be able to figure out how they work and then put them together in a new way to, to figure out another problem. Fantastic,
1: Connie. And speaking of new things and new ideas, what do you think is coming next for telemanufacturing? Well, um, manufacturing, I believe,
0: um, is something that I would love to see on different pieces of machinery and different robots and cobots. I think it would be cool if there was an option where you know, your equipment would be classified as, is it teleready, And that means, okay, well, then a person can control it remotely and then is able to perform a manufacturing process remotely. I think that would be awesome. So that would be a way to kind of get the technology out there. Um, but another, I would, let's call it a moonshot approach, because that's what we're talking about. You know, manufacturing in space is really, um, you know, getting to be uh, something that we are working towards. And something like telemanufacturing is a way to make that happen. This is an actual way where people can perform manufacturing, but be down here on the earth while we're doing something up on the space station. So we're kind of uh, getting into that now and, and looking at all the exciting opportunities that, uh, that are out
1: there that can allow us to help make that happen. Connie, this has been great. And I wanted to ask if our listeners wanted to find out more about your work. Um, where can they find out more information about speaking with you or find out, finding out more about Manufacturing as a project?
0: Sure. So if you go to the EWI website, um, you can find lots of videos there or our LinkedIn page or Facebook. Um, but, yeah, please, uh, please take a look. We have many exciting videos always up at all times. Um, lately, we've been doing gouging, sanding, uh, inspection. So you'll find all sorts of telemanufacturing videos up there. And uh, we just keep adding more and more to it and enabling more and more people to be able to uh,
1: do things remotely. What are the two of the best lessons you have learned in your years of industry experience? Two of the best lessons?
0: Hmm. I would say one of the lessons that I learned was that, you know, there is there is never a point in time where you're going to know everything about a technology. It just changes so much that you have to remain humble and continue to research and continue to find out, you know, how do things work? What's the next step? Because things change so much. The minute you say, I'm an expert, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> so I would say, you know, the, the biggest lesson is, is, is being humble and realizing that there are lots of people out there with lots of great ideas and um you know continuing to learn continuing to uh, research new things is going to only help and further manufacturing or, or further the career that you're in
1: thanks for listening to this episode of the thomas industry podcast if you enjoyed today's interview please subscribe share with a colleague or leave a review